Blog Talk Radio. African. Come and step in Brother Temple, see what's happening. You'll taste the bass flow, coming from a zero. Tell me what a sissy know. Funk a lesson is a new flow, stalking. Walking in my big black boots. Living off the earth, eating herbs and fruits. The children awake me by the mountain and the river. And gather around the fire for the scroll that I deliver. The speak of a house is from the sand to the sky. And devils ever doubt and want to measure how high. Your life reveals you, your mind can't catch it. Dimensions of a god go far beyond brackets. Coming to my oven, devils come and you burn. I can always feel vulture with the strength and black word. You're pissing me off because you swear you're higher level. Back to your cave. Get yourself together. Chili and Megillah. Chocolate and vanilla. How can polar bears swing on vines with the gorillas, please? Check your reason because it's something amiss. My home is a void. You're drowning a abyss. I teach your funk code and don't preach a rap rhyme. Harambe to the sun as the mortals ask time. what time is The funk lesson comes. The sundown speaks. what time is the building of the strong are the lessons of the meek. what time is it? My science is deep. My blackness is deep. How deep? Deep. Deeper than Atlantis. Deeper than the seafloor traveled by the mantis. Your copycats will never know. Which is the funk will never flow. But that's another blow. Make your move, thief apprentice. I never step. I'm a travel move. Your master hasn't figured yet. Bring your weapons to my sword and shield. What's the higher level if your shit ain't real? My mystic magic. What you gonna do? Think before you step before the rebels. Welcome to Rand Radio. I'm your host, Thomas Berry. Back at you. It's been a while. I know, I know, I know. My brother has been through a whole lot. Busy, busy, and even more busier than what I would expect. So it's been hard to keep up with the shows and coming on and getting live. And, hey, I promise you, if you ever go through this again, my suggestion uh, to my listeners is to go out and check the archives. We got some shows that I don't think a lot of people know anything about. Uh, we got some shows that go all the way back um, to when we were doing shows. Um, we were doing shows about uh, molestation and uh, polygamy. Uh, we got some deep shows. I mean, the, the molestation show, in my opinion, was the, the deepest show because it was uh, covering uh, people. Victims were, you know, telling telling their stories and the things that they were going through uh, with molestation. So if you get a chance, uh, you know, if we're not on. If we're not broadcasting on a Tuesday or even sometimes Wednesday when we might do a special one, make sure you get a chance. Check the archives. And with that being said, today we had to come live to you, man. I, I've been watching the news while all of this has uh, been transpiring the past few weeks around the country. And this show is about <clears throat> black men in America being public enemy number one. Now, if you're a black man in America, you're somewhere at home saying, no shit, Sherlock, right? I know we're public enemy, number one. I know we got all these problems. We got all these issues. But my biggest thing for this show is not just to talk about the problems and issues. It's to come up with the solutions for these problems. And I want I to preference this, uh, this show with saying a lot of the people that you might think you're going to get help from 
in this time of need with us being public enemy number one are not going to be helping you. You might think it's going to come from a lot of the elders, and I'm going to be honest with you. There's a bunch of elders who will help you, a lot of elders who will lay it down on the line for you and go hard and the pain for you. But to be frank, there's a lot of elders that are elders because they stayed out of the way. They hid, <clears throat> they dodged uh, fighting these battles and taking to the streets um, and, and doing things uh, that was going to be beneficial for our people. And that's something, uh, you know, that, 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 that to me is the main thing that I'm seeing that's going on out here in the media. You know, when you look at these shootings that's <clears throat> going around the country, uh, from the shooting in South Carolina to the shooting out inside of Tulsa, Oklahoma, there's no different than the shooting that happened in California a few months ago, Tamir Rice in Ohio, uh, Mike Brown inside of Ferguson, or, you know, the brother that was choked out inside of New York. These stories are starting to become the rampant thing when it comes to black men. And what I want brothers to understand is we are public enemy number one. No one is seeing us as victims, not even our own sisters. And I want you to understand that. And when I say this, I don't mean all of our sisters. I'm not talking about the majority of our our women. I'm not even talking about the majority of our elders. But it's a large portion of us don't see each other as victims and don't see each other as, as solutions. Those are the people who are still, every time they talk about this country, they use that word, our, our military, our government, our gains, our losses, our this, our that. When statistically, all the statistics show that there's no such thing as an R. And, it, and every which way in this country, they've, they've moved to show us that we are not a part of the solution. They, are, they have brought in uh, brothers and sisters from the continent uh, to replace us. They don't need us anymore. There's a lot of stuff that we're not paying attention to. It, a lot of folks, don't. they don't need us anymore. They just simply don't. There's a lot of things that are going on, and we fall victim into getting upset with the wrong people. You can't get upset with the brothers and sisters from overseas who are just coming so that they can take care of their families. You can't get upset with them. They're doing what they're supposed to do. They're trying to move to make their lives better. They're trying to move to do things a lot uh, to, to, to better themselves. Whether they're helping our cause or hurting our cause, you can't get upset with somebody who's looking to help themselves. What we have to do as uh, black men in America or African Americans, whichever one you want to call yourself, I'm not here to argue with you on that because I think that that's all semantics. Statistically, we're failing. And we're not failing because we want to fail. We're not getting gunned down because we want to get gunned down. This is all happening because of years of conditioning, years of conditioning. And the conditioning starts from the education on up. And you see this time and time again in the media. You see this time and time again where we're having uh, these stories about no child left behind and how it's failing our students. But yet we still have no child left behind. We still can find Ernie Duncan on television trying to explain to us why no child left behind is good for you and your child. We we still have that. Obama administration is no different 
in my humble opinion, than the Bush administration. Why would I say that? Well, it's not against. It's not like I'm against uh, President Obama. What I'm against is constantly having uh, these people meddling in business that they don't know nothing about and doing it for the sake of the corporations. I voted for President Obama twice. I wouldn't lie to you and tell you no different. But to be honest, brother hasn't delivered. His cabinet hasn't delivered. When do you vote and get your return? Every other group vote and get a return. When do we get one? And we're not asking these questions. We're not probing these questions. And these are the things that are making us more victims because we keep digging in. And every time the U.S. has a victory in anything, we start talking as R. And every time they slice up the pie, we're getting left out of the R. But yet we're the ones still opening our mouths and saying R this, R that. Can't be R if you're not getting a part of anything. That don't make sense. Only R we're getting is we're getting our share of the bullets, more than our fair share of the bullets, because as you see in, in, in times on the media and everything else, there are white men who are uh, in positions with guns that are threatening the police, and they're getting, to, getting able to walk away free. They're not getting killed. I honestly believe in the case in Tulsa, and when we talk about this later on, that the brother was gunned. I, I, you know what? Something tells me that they trained this old guy who was pretty much a rent cop Not a rent cop like, you know, he was getting uh, getting uh, rented uh, by the police as a temporary, what have you. He paid to be a police officer. He paid to be a cop. And he gunned this brother down, saying he was going for his taser after the brother was already down with four cops around him. Logically, logically, what does that make sense? Well, you can have black people who are even quoting and saying, well, if he would have just laid down, he would have been all right. Really? Where does it show if he just would have laid down, he would have been all right? Where do we get these ideas from? Why are we the ones constantly okaying this? This is why, black man, you're public enemy number one. You're not only public public enemy number one from white folks. You're public enemy from within. A lot of my brothers are self-haters. We hate ourselves. Everything we've done, we've trained ourselves to hate ourselves. We joined their military so we can complain about how lazy we are. Just imagine that. We complain about how lazy we are. Never mind the mom and dad who are living in the ghetto with nothing. My father just passed away. I know they had this story about the man in in, uh, Michigan who walked miles to work. But my father was doing that three, four years ago, walking from one end of South Bend, Indiana, all the way to a suburb of South Bend. That's something I want you to think about. But we, we still call our people lazy. And then when we can't talk about how physically lazy they are, we talk about how intellectual lazy lazy they are. Our people aren't lazy. Our people are falling into the traps of what this society or this system is set up for us to do, and that's fail. And once again, like I said, we keep falling for this trick when we say our, our government, our military, our banks. Ain't no ours in that. When you look at what happened to our communities, I used to live in South Minneapolis. 
talking to a brother last night, and I pointed out to him, you can. It's hard to find some of the brothers and sisters I know who who lived over south at one point in time. It's hard. They've been replaced by immigrant class. When Wells Fargo was giving out loans, they weren't giving out loans to our people. Have you ever talked to any black person that worked inside of Wells Fargo and got the truth? I've talked to people who work in the mortgage department. Last fired, I mean, last hired, first hired. I mean, last hired and first fired most of the time. Oh, yeah, we got a few that slide through the crack depending on what departments you get into. But think about that. If they're treating black folks bad inside of their offices, imagine how they're treating black people who are coming to them for loans. So then you get this federal lawsuit where you find out they were redlining black people. So they were dictating where we live and where we don't live. See, once you do that, you dictate federal and local government dollars. That's all to break up the power. That's all to break up the collectiveness of ourselves. And the best way to go after us as public enemy number one is through our women. They degrade our sisters. They have us thinking it's okay to degrade our women. It's just a mess. And it's getting worse. It's getting worse. So I just, today... Our show, and we got some brothers that will be coming on later on to definitely uh, chime in. We are public enemy number one. If you dispute, give us a call, 347-826-9600. That's 347-826-9600. Press option one to talk. Uh, It's Rand Radio. I am back. In effect, you know what? Here's what amazes me. And you you hear rappers like Jay-Z who foolishly say, man, you know, hip-hop has changed the way America or whites or young whites see race. And my thing is, these same cops that are walking these beats that are in their 30s, early 40s, they grew up listening to rap. If you don't believe that they don't know anything about Run DMC, LL Cool J, and all these other great uh, early rap groups, you got to be kidding. They know as much about hip-hop as we know. Well, you know what, I'll take that back. They don't know as much as we know, but they are familiar with the culture. They're familiar with Michael Jordan, Patrick Ewing, Charles Barkley. They grew up idolizing these brothers, but it's a disconnect there. It's a disconnect. They don't see Jay-Z, and they don't see Michael Jordan as Tyrell or Tyrone on the block. They have totally separated those two from one another. So when I hear brothers out here like Jay-Z and he said, oh, well, man, hip-hop has changed the, the how white folks look at race. No, it ain't changed nothing. Our people are still suffering. Our people are still suffering, and that's not going to change. Not until we do something about it. And the main thing that we can do as a people, the main thing that we can do as a people is we can definitely band together and get smarter. My question to people out there today, is it time to take up guns? Is that something that we should be thinking about? Should we be should we be constantly talking about, you know, a loading up guns and and protecting ourselves? Is that on the table? Do we need to be talking about 
what I, my favorite idea is creating our own communities. Is that something that we should be focusing in on? Because I'll be honest with you, politics ain't the answer. You got a black president and a black attorney general. You got two African Americans who are leading uh, this nation. One is the commander in chief of the military. He has the ability to uh, take brothers and and get brothers um, get brothers let out of jail. He can definitely sign some pardons and get some brothers out. He ain't done that. Not not to the degree he could have. He uh, also could have his attorney general go a little bit harder when it comes to these cases regarding all these black deaths. He hasn't done that. And we have to be reminded of that. You know, these ain't things that people are making up, people are lying about. This is stuff that's right in our face. These are things that we can visibly see. These are things that we can visibly question and say, hey, you know what? Man, you know, uh, President Obama hasn't done that yet. And there's no knock uh, openly to anybody. You know what? I'll take that back. It should be a knock. It is a knock. The knock is simply this. When you vote and you invest that vote, you're expecting results. You're not expecting minimal results. The only group of people you shouldn't expect minimal results from is the people that you didn't vote for. They shouldn't give you everything. If you didn't vote for President Bush both times and you didn't get nothing for President Bush, that's okay. You didn't vote for him, you didn't support him, that's why you didn't support him. You shouldn't be expecting anything from him. But those people that you do vote for, you should expect something in return, just like every other group. And anybody that's telling you that you shouldn't expect anything in return, they're kidding themselves. And we got one caller. Let's bring the call in. Hey, caller, thank you for calling Red Radio. How you doing today? Doing great, brother. How you doing? I'm doing great. Can't complain. All right. Uh, now, I know it's an interesting topic of the show. You said uh, talking about um, black people are uh, public enemy number one. Black man is public enemy number one. The black man, okay. Um, so I, I got a couple questions for you there, and I want to see your thoughts on that. Uh, okay, go ahead. First and foremost, uh, do do black men have a responsibility themselves in how they're viewed? Do we have a responsibility in, in ourselves and how we're viewed? Yeah. Uh, no. You you have so, no responsibility uh, for other people's perception. You have no responsibility for the perception of people who are in a dominant uh, position who are putting you in situations right. that is controlling how you're viewed. You have no responsibility. Okay. What responsibility maybe, me, do you have when like you're this. living by a system that you didn't create? Great. Now, let me, let me put it this way. Um, if on one hand, for example, let's say people have a particular stereotype of the people, right? And mm-hmm. you don't like that stereotype, right? Now, mm-hmm. don't you have a responsibility then not to do the very stereotype people are labeling you as? And then if you do the stereotype they're labeling you as, what right do you have to complain about it if you're if you're doing the action they say you do? Mm. So you're saying because somebody, let, let, let's say hypothetically, because I'm, I'm yeah. trying to, you know, you, you're talking about black men as if we're all monolithic yeah. and we all have this uh, stereotype or we're all doing the exact same thing, which is not true. Um, I don't believe that black men 
you know, the first thing they say about responsibility is it comes with knowledge. I can't believe that a lot of the stereotypical things that they say that certain brothers are doing that they have knowledge of and know how to do better. Because most brothers who know how to do better, they are doing better. Okay. So maybe let me give you an example. Okay. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm black, myself, so I want to make it clear I'm not I'm not against it. So when I was in the military, uh, in mm-hmm. our group, uh, we knew that there were some race uh, guys, you know, some of the sergeants above us, right? So us right. and all the brothers, we got together, and we formed this kind of like a group within that, that we were going to stand by each other no matter what. Uh, we were going to prove them wrong, that all their criticisms about black people uh, we were going to show them that's not true. We, we we made a commitment to have a standard of excellence so that whatever they said wouldn't have any bearing on us at all. In fact, we we, we made a promise to each other to be better than any of the white guys in our units so that we would set the standard for you know, within the group, right? So right. one of the main things that the white sergeants used to say is, oh, you know, black people are lazy. This is one of their major things that they used to always talk about. Oh, they're lazy, mm-hmm. they don't have discipline, you know, so on and so forth. So as a group, we talked about this. You know, we we said, you know what, they're saying we're lazy, so let's make sure proof that we, they, that won't be true. Let's make sure we work hard, and let's make sure we're more disciplined than everyone else, so that what they say about us, the stereotype they're labeling us with, won't stick. The problem, though, when we got on the field and when we had tasks, I'm looking around and I'm like, most of us are being as lazy as you could possibly be. It was incredible. And they, mm. they, they, they were doing exactly what the, what these racist uh, guys in our units were saying. And I looked at these guys, and I'm like, yo, you can't sit here and complain to me when they say that you're lazy and then you're doing it. You, you can't fulfill a stereotype and complain when people label you that. The whole point well, let me ask you this, like, yeah, can I ask you this question. Right? Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so let me ask you this question because that, that's an interesting one. Uh, so brothers joined the military. And they're they're doing what 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 the stereotypical whites call lazy. Now, it, what's amazing yeah. to me about the stereotype of black folks being lazy? The laziness was labeled on black folks who were working in fields for eighteen hour days as being lazy. And we still continue to this day are still trying to prove to white folks that we're not lazy from the field to now. And and my thing is this: when we have the stereotype of each other. Do the whites have to prove that they're not lazy at work? I talk to I work in corporate America with some lazy ass white people. I work in education with right. some lazy ass white people. But we are the ones who's always trying to prove ourselves in the system. The only way I say you you continue to prove yourself against that stereotype is if you're trying to buy into the system. You have nothing to prove to white folks or white supremacy white supremacy whatsoever. The fact that we survived as much as we survived is the proof that anyone needs that we're not lazy. Now, can it be that some of us are not going all out? That could be, but at the same time, you put a black man in the military, you have him in one of the, you have him in the main arm of white supremacy, the thing that keeps white supremacy alive. And of course, the average brother, if they got a tad bit of consciousness, consciousness in them. They're gonna, they ain't going to go all out because when you're doing something that you actually don't believe in just because you're trying to get some money, you're not going to go all out for it. So it all depends on what you believe in, how you believe in it, brother. So I, I get what you're saying about trying not to live up to stereotypes, but do you think the police is worried about living up, living up to being racist when they're shooting brothers down? Do you think they're worried about that stereotype? 
when people all around the world look at whites as being racist, you think that stops them from doing what they're doing? What they're doing? Or do they not care? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, again, the same thing applies with the cops that you could say about black people, too, which is if you don't want to label everything, everyone monolithic either as well with them. For example, like, I've dealt with good cops. I've dealt with bad cops. I've dealt with racist mm. cops. I've dealt with cops that were totally respectful. Mm. Regardless of Can I ask you a question fact, about the good cops? Can I ask you a question about the good cops? Too. I just okay. got one point, one point. I've had more negative experiences, actually, with black cops and with white ones. And I've dealt with mm. some racist white cops. But what I've learned in my most dealings, and I think we can agree, and most of our dealings with people in general, just in society, is usually if you're respectful, people respect you back. And it's a mutual thing. But what I see is a lot of brothers have attitudes. They think they mm. can talk to people any kind of way. And then they demand mm. to be treated with respect in return. And I'm like, this is something I see amongst mm. the younger crowd. Like, I'm 28. And I notice when I see people who are above the age of 35, 40, they understand the concept of give respect to get respect. But these younger cats, mm. they think they can treat people whatever way they want, but they but then mm. they have to be respected in return. I think that's ridiculous, man. Well, see, I, here's my thing. I will say that in, in some of the rearing of the young people, it, it is some issues with how they respond to some common everyday folk. But what I would say in regard to the police, when we talk about good cop, bad cop, you know, what position are the good cops in when they're dealing with you? Have you dealt with the good cops when a bad cop whipped your ass and the good cop reported the bad cop? Because when we, we talk no, about I'm, these I've good cops. I've never had a cop attack. Uh, oh, okay. So when we talk about these good cops that we're always talking about, is the cops only good because they did good by you, or are they good because what they're doing in the community? And that's the thing that I find funny about how white folks get the benefit of the doubt. We talk about stereotypes about our own people. It only takes five to ten black folks to do something that we feel like is stereotypical, and then we start labeling everyone or labeling their generation. But when we see five to ten bad cops doing something, the first thing we do, because they represent white supremacy, we start giving the excuse that all cops aren't bad. And we, know, we talk about the one or two, maybe three cops that we know that haven't done anything wrong to us. Well, have those good cops done anything to turn in those bad cops. You saw what happened with the brother in South Carolina. Did the police officer inside of South Carolina, the, the brother that was there, the black cop, did, he could have took out his firearm and, and literally killed his partner to save that brother. He didn't do that. All he said was, hey, I'm not covering this up for you. He put on his gloves. He checked the brother to make sure uh, the brother didn't have any evidence of the shooting, and then he did that. Now, that brother never been had any citations for doing anything bad. Somebody somewhere is probably labeling that brother as a good cop. But let's think about it. Does, does the camera show that brother as being a good cop? No, I agree with you on that point. But, I mean, it's not like everybody arbitrarily here. Like, take Michael Brown, for example. In the mm. case of Michael Brown, here we are as a people trying to defend a brother who was robbing a store and got into that wasn't exchange him. with a cop. That, I mean, see, he was problem involved with that whole in, story. in a negative incident. So to me, like, but, this is the problem as black people I'm just trying to say here. I understand mm -hmm. that we want to defend one another, and I, I'm totally for that, you know. Mm -hmm. But my point is we have to come to a point where we have to also say if this brother's out of line and he's clearly doesn't even have a character worth of any kind of honor, why are we mm -hmm. defending that? Michael Brown was a criminal. Well, that's, that, that's, that, that's my question to you about the good white cop. That, well, see, that's my, my that's my question with you with the good white cop. Let's go back to Michael Brown. In the case of Michael Brown, the video where they said Michael Brown supposedly robbed this, uh, robbed the guy at the uh, 
at the store, that same store owner said that he did not call the police about him being robbed. So that video has nothing to do with him being shot and killed by this cop. The same people who were, were there who live and, and testified, the Justice Department never interviewed those people. So my thing is, do we believe the lying-ass reporter Eric Holder and everyone else, or do we believe the people that was on the street? Why is it in Ferguson, uh, uh, Missouri, the same place where Michael Brown was gunned down at, you got 15,000 people out of 21,000 citizens who have open warrants? Something tells you that there's something fishy and stinking going on there. So to me, in my opinion, the benefit of the doubt still in this situation, 15,000 people have open warrants. Michael Brown laid gun down on the street. We're talking about his character. We don't talk about the character of white folks whatsoever. We're still teaching our children to this day that George Washington was a good man. George Washington owned slaves. His teeth that he had in his mouth wasn't wooden teeth. Those teeth he took out of slaves' mouth to put in his own mouth. We're still giving these guys the benefit of the doubt. We talk about character. We start naming these white folks like they got good character. They don't have good character. Matter of fact, I will go on record to say if you look at most white heroes in American history, the ones that are propped up, the ones who are made to be uh, these uh, these large folklore about, if you look at their character and who they are, there's some despicable human beings that done despicable things to black folks. As long as those stories aren't being told, we part propping them up. But when you look at black people, and you look at some of our heroes and sheroes, their flaws are always leaked to us. They can't go a day without letting us know that Martin Luther King had, a, had an affair. Okay, he had an affair, but we, we're cool with Bill Clinton doing his thing, but Martin is made to seem like he's some kind of bad guy. Elijah Muhammad is made to seem be like some bad guy because he calls some white folks some devils, but we'll never talk about J. Edgar Hoover uh, taking down our people with Pro. We still got black folks lining yeah, up for the I military. Mean. Yeah, you, yeah, you know, saying lining up for the military with folks doing stuff to us. These guys. I, I'm no, I, I understand what you're saying, but yeah. what I'm saying is, yeah. as, when we start saying that we, as a people, uh, that we need to start getting on our people, when do when do we tell whites they need to get on their people? And I asked this question on Facebook, and a white guy answered it. I said, when is it when there's ever white on white crime? Do white people stand up and talk about? Uh, I, I mean, when it's black folks killing white people, when do white folks ever stand up and say, man, what about white on white crime? The white guy said, man, it never happens. White people ain't in that kind of things. When somebody do something to white folks, white folks band together and go after it. Our problem as a people is when the time, when it's time to roll our sleeves up and it's time to get dirty and change our situation, we're too busy fighting with each other. Way, way too busy fighting with each other, brother. That's what I'm saying. I, I mean, I hear you on that point, but I think it's also, in a way, it goes the wrong way. For example, you take the Ferguson situation, that was an embarrassment. I mean, anyone who calls that an honorable protest, you're kidding yourself. People were looting. So, 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 so what made it embarrassing? What made it embarrassing? They though? were they, people were just they were destroying their own neighborhood. It'd be one well, thing if you go if back they to, went the, to the suburbs and attacked mm, a white neighborhood and burnt down white right. businesses, but they were burning down black businesses. And the, the all right, well, let, let, let me let me say this: who, how can I have you justify call looting? And this happened the same thing with the Rodney King situation in L.A. People took advantage right. of a situation for their own mm. benefit. They didn't care about the cause. In the civil well, rights well, movement, I, I will say this. I, I will say this. people were protesting I, I, in an honorable way, which was respectable. What happened is well, well, here's the thing. There's no such thing. You should be embarrassed to even thing. identify with those people. Well, well, here's the thing. The first thing is when you call things protests, it was unrest. 
people were un- they were unhappy and they were upset. And when we keep so on saying that the feel? same thing happened, say, but the same thing happened in the fifties and the sixties as well, as well as the seventies. My thing is, we're so quick to throw our own people under the bus to look good, like we're the favorable whites. White folks ride all the time. No, I'm Anytime. not trying to gain anybody. The, the University of Kentucky, the University, right. but, but here's, but here's my point though. But but here's my here's my point. Those same neighborhoods that you're saying that these folks don't care nothing about, they have no ownership in those neighborhoods, so those neighborhoods don't belong to them. So the, since they can't get to the white folks they want to get at, they're taking that they're they're taking their frustration out on the property. I would say this: not a damn thing in in that community that was burnt down, that was property or business, was as important as the, the life of that young boy, Mike Brown. Nothing, oh, because on, we don't brother, know what Mike brother, Brown you know could have Come on, bro. Now, now, even that statement, you know you're not right for that. No, no, I mean, no. Why, 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 people, why, would, why would we compare, they, they why would we compare somebody's property to the life They were looting because they had an opportunity to take something, and they took it away. Wait, wait, no, 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 no. Once, once again, let, let me, let me say this again. Mike Brown. Come on, man. Let's but, stop but playing once again, we don't know what they cared about. It was Rodney King. People okay. didn't care about the Rodney uh, King thing. They just but, took but, advantage but, but once of the that, that's, that's why you had. But brother, that's you your brother. That's your opinion. With him and doing brother, that, brother, that's your opinion. You you giving your opinion? Were you there in Ferguson? Brother, were you on the ground in Ferguson, sense, man? Let me let me ask you a question. No, no, no. I'm asking a question. Were you there in Ferguson? No, I wasn't. Were you there in Ferguson? We all saw what happened. We okay, but when you when we so you tell me okay, so let me say so let me say this again. It was going on. Right, right, right. But then we don't never look back and see how the how the government has has. Infiltrated these groups before sending people in to loot and rob. It's funny that what we talk about the looting and robbing, but we're not talking we, about the people who got arrested for the looting and robbing. My point is, there I mean, you can get you can you can hire black folks anyway. from all kinds of places to go do stuff. They don't mean it necessarily their that, aid is there for our people. That's my whole point. This is what's but wrong with the these but, like pro-black but, movements but, but, that are like emphasizing white supremacy. This is what always because I used to be this. I used to be in the same mode myself. I used to be getting into white people yelling at them, arguing about this stuff. Then I realized this is foolishness. What we're doing is when you say these things, you're empowering them. You're giving them a no, strength wait, that no, they no, no, we're not. have. Because no, you're no, saying, no. You're saying see, literally, see, 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 you're saying thing. that a person okay, has so all right. much so, power so over your mind. Now, let me make this one point. You're saying that someone has enough. All right, enough for that. I, we don't do cooning on this show. So when you call in, if you cooning, man, you better know better. Enough of that. Call it your own. Thank you for calling Rand Radio. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Had to drop that cool because he was doing a little too much on his own. How you doing? <laughs> hey, um, I'm from D.C. My name is Ty. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say some things. I don't know how you're going to perceive it, but I have this mindset. Okay. Okay, go ahead. I don't know how... Do you play chess at all? I know a lot of people talk yes, about I, the yes, game. Yes, I do play chess. Okay. Now, what happens if you never move your pieces, if all your powerful pieces stays behind that first row? What ends up happening? Well, what happens is you end up getting checkmated. Right. So my thing with black people, and I only talk about this when I'm with my people, since this is right. a show that's mostly going to have my people, I can let my hair down and I'll tell them, what I feel, honestly. Right. I look at everything like a move, okay? When you start right. getting defeated as a people and you try to find ways to say, oh, well, this and that and this and that, that is true. And I agree with my people a lot of times, most of the time. But I'm more concerned 
on um, aggressive movements forward that's going to put me in a position. So let me give you an example. Let me explain so it doesn't sound so vague. Okay. If you look at the Muslims who moved into Michigan, Michigan is slowly becoming a Muslim state or Islamic Definitely. state, I should say. Okay. Definitely. Those groups know how to occupy space. This is the way the country, I don't know if you saw the movie Gangs of New York, but this country yes, is becoming about factions because right. certain groups have the ability to come together and occupy space. Now, the That's problem right. with that is is when you're doing your movement, and this is one of the things about Ferguson, because Ferguson had some good things and Ferguson had some bad things. It was a mixture, but there yes, were some good things that came out of it, but there were some bad things. Whenever you start a movement like a protest, However, the first protest ends, it sets up the trend for the next couple of protests. That's why your first protest has to be a closed one. This is politics. Right. right. Then every protest thereafter, you can open it up. Well, everybody was emotional, which is understandable. Somebody was killed on your street. You're going to come out and support, right? People's right. emotions are high. It's a conduit. It's like a runaway train with no conductor. Now, you have people come in that want to conduct that train, and they're pushing you to go towards the most violent route. Now, when they burned down those businesses, I understood why they were upset and why they burned them. But what, the way I was looking at the board is this. All those black businesses, it was actually 60-some black businesses that got destroyed, but only 12 or 13 of them that were unsalvageable. Right. When you burn out your business owners, what you're doing is you're killing your chief lobbyers because they're bringing in the chief money into your community. So when you do mm -hmm. get ready to get black people into your council and to get into position, they're not going to have lobbying support that is financially suitable. They're going to have to rely on outside money to come in and help. So I understand, Ferguson, we have two new black council members now, and I'm proud of that because they fought to get on, fought to get on the council. Here's the thing. Right. The attitude of the people really hasn't changed that much. They've got, they're starting to wake up, but they're still a little bit destructive. And I feel that, you know, when those two people get in and start cleaning up the mess that was left or getting involved in helping to clean up the less mess that was left with the council, they're going to start to realize that the city that they live in is really politically inactive and they're just not, you know, coming up with enough revenue to fill in the holes because what's happened is the people who were fleecing that city, they left all that debt behind. Because they were fleecing the city. So all that, all I'm saying to say is, is this with my fellow people. And sometimes people say, you sound like you're about to coon or not. I only talk about this to my fellow people. Right. When it comes to our behaviors, we have to realize that we can never rest, ever. We've never been given anything in this country. We've always had to fight for everything. Even Martin Luther King said he feared what we were walking into, and he hoped we'd be more proactive because you can't rest. You can never drop the baton just because, you know, you got this right or that right. you got to keep fighting right. because there's always somebody ready to take away what you got. And this is a global world. So this idea right. that we don't have to do this and do that in order to fit in, I'm beyond that because at this point it's like, Settlers profit and, and tribes get slaughtered. If you sit still and figure, well, everybody conforms to me, they'll just take the food right off your plate. Pretty you know, pretty much. Okay. So that I mean I, I can understand your stance on it, but here's my here's what I would say. When I'm looking at Ferguson and, and like I said before, there's no way to justifiably say that fifteen thousand people out of twenty one thousand folks have open warrants. 
that's that's a way to keep people from the poll and keep them inactive when it comes to voting. The other oh, thing that sleeping. I would say. Oh, but definitely. you know the biggest tragedy? You want to know the biggest tragedy? What's that? Okay, watch this. When I file claims against you for child support, I can take your license away. I can take your voting rights away. I can take all of that away from you. I can make it so right. that you can't even go to work to pay the support that I'm asking for. Right. So what direction are you going to go in? I'm going to go to to, to the uh, route of crime <laughs> if I can't right. pay. Now watch this. Here's another one. When a mother takes government assistance, in most states, they determine what school you can send your children to. So you can't send your child to a school outside of the district that that state says that you have to go to because you're taking aid. So if there's a better school, he can't go. And if they open a magnet school in your area and you got one public school over here where the test scores and stuff is not very good, but you got a magnet school over on the left, that has all of your science, technology, engineering, and math programs that will get you jobs and connections to colleges when you get out, they're feeding off the best and brightest that are in the public schools, right? Because you got to apply to these magnet schools to get in. The magnet schools get right. to take your tax dollars that you pay to go to that public school. They get to, for every student they pull out of your public school that can meet their test standards, they take money, the, the, that amount of, of, uh, of tax money. Now, watch this. This is how funny it is, right? Now that right. they take the best and brightest, who's left? The kids who got behavior issues and stuff from home. You know, they, you know, mama can't feed them, all this other stuff. They're not going to get rid of that school. They put Common Core there to feed the magnet school. Now, whose right. fault? And this is where it comes blame and responsibility. And this is why I'm always on my people when we're together and it's just us. Yes, there are other people to blame for our misfortunes, but we have to have the responsibility to call out what is unfair and to consistently keep our eyes on that plate and make sure nobody's taking our food and to be proactive. The minute you stop doing that and people start taking and then you look up one day and be like, where's my food? Where's it? It's too late. You got games. Now, and listen, I understand what you're saying on that level. And what I always point out to our people is this. The system is designed to get over on us and for us for it not to work for us. So the system is working. You know, that's the one thing I always tell people. The system is working. If you think the system is for you, you've already lost. I'm also a firm believer, and I'm telling people in 2015 and moving on, I'm not talking politics because to me I feel like the biggest distraction for our people is politics. We have let a lot of things go because we thought by voting, we would be able to vote our issues away, and all we've done was vote our issues away and stop tending to the things that help us uh, stand um, as, a, as a solid people, as a community, and that's building institutions and keeping those institutions running. You look at these schools with these common core practices, most of these schools are funded by corp white corporations who are looking to get uh, future inmates. So the same people that you're you're that's giving you money to teach your uh to teach your children or giving the schools money to teach your children are looking to have your children inside of prisons in the next uh ten to fifteen years. So those we have a lot of problems, a lot of loopholes, and yeah, some of them are definitely done by our own naiveness, our own ignorance. So you can't you can't argue with we're ignorant on a lot of things as a collective. Now, there's some things in general that we still shouldn't go for regardless of how ignorant we are. The one thing that we should never go for is that any of our own brethren 
unarmed, being gunned down, that's unacceptable. We don't want. We shouldn't ask for apologies. Sorries are not enough. Sorries don't don't put uh, meals on the table. Sorry does not bring back brothers who are laying there dead on the street. So being public enemy number one, the main thing we need to be doing <clears throat> as a collective is trying to figure out how can we create these communities for ourselves so we can do for ourselves and police our own, literally. Because if you go into white communities where they're the predominant ones, you don't see police uh, running around their communities. When they go to their city, when they go to their city halls, they're asking for the police not to show up. But none of this stuff will be possible if we keep on believing that we are living in a post-racial society. And that, to me, that is the, that has been the new form of kryptonite for us as a people. This non-racial society. Now you live in D.C., right? Yeah. And in D.C., correct me if I'm wrong, don't you guys have a, uh, I, I, I might be calling it wrong, but do you guys have what they call a, like a control board where the mayor has to, they, they control a lot but, and the mayor only controls certain things? Uh, they have a split division like that, but you're, uh, usually in your southern states you have a lot of those control boards or you will have it where the governor just, you know, if, it, if it's bigger, if we're talking about the county and the state where they just decide, at, you know, who's in what position in any chief position, but we got, you know, we got, we got, we got something like a board, something like that. Yeah, because I remember at one point the only thing that Mary, uh, Mary and Barry was running was park and recreation. He didn't have a lot of control over the city uh, his second term. And the reason why I brought that up was when you brought up the Michigan, uh, uh, the state of Michigan. And I know in the state of Michigan they have one of those boards as well. And the mayors in those cities, in those towns, don't have a lot of say-so. My father's from uh, Ben Harbor, Michigan, and that was one of the things that they had a lot of issues with, with their mayor and their city council. The, gov- the uh, Democratic elected folks were actually stripped of their power, and there was a board that was appointed by all these, yeah, it was a, a, I think it's a controller. Uh, he was employed by the governor, and he does this in certain cities, predom- cities predominantly that are African-American. That's why it's in D.C. That's why it could be inside of a Detroit. That's why it could be inside of a Benton Harbor or uh, other areas like that. It's because they don't want those those people who are the majority to vote and get things their way. And this is to keep people out of politics, to keep people to believe, hey, um, there is no hope. My thing, what I'm saying on the flip side of that is don't worry about the political side. What we need to do as a people, for one, in my opinion, this should be, I, I say this all the time, it's almost a damn shame that I can go and, and talk to my grandmother and she can tell me about the time she slept with shotguns under her couch and 357s up under her her mattress uh, when she was living at home by herself. And when I talk to some of these brothers who have full-fledged families with everything to lose, they don't own a pistol. Because how can you protect your family, whether it's the police or whatever, I still believe that we still have to protect yourself as a man from anything. And if we're not willing to protect our families and our friends and our neighborhoods, what are we willing to protect? Well, I'll say this much. Um, well, one, one thing, there's two things. One thing, D.C. is very particular, um, and you write uh, in many ways about that. Um, that district just doesn't – it runs completely – because it's a district, it's a federal district, and it's not, it's not you know, a state, right. so – there's there's so right. much limitation there on that. Okay, now a lot of there are a lot of black counties in neighborhoods in this country, especially in Maryland and surrounding areas, 
that are doing very well, that have strong municipalities, and that have their own police. Now, you know, even in New York, now here's the thing. You don't hear about those very often, and there's a reason. It's not because of somebody trying to keep you from not wanting. It's because the people that live there, they don't want that publicized as much, and they know why. When you work very hard and you attain something and and you're around like-minded people and you decided, hey, we want to live here and we want to control what comes in and what goes out, you put out as little information about where you live as possible. So they don't build metro transit rails that go into that area. They don't want, you know, strip malls. They'll build just what they need to be in there. They just want to keep to themselves. Now, you have that a lot in our black community. You have well-off people who are doing well, who have well-governed areas. I drive through an area over, um, what is it called, um, Glen Arden. Um, there's an area over there. Queen Anne County, um, there's an area over there. If you're in New York, Cherry Hill, New York, very illustrious black community. Lots of black communities where the average income or the median income is is over 78,000 or over 115,000. But these areas, they have found the, it's not a secret. What they've done is they just got together a bunch of like-minded people who are productive, who are pulling in true revenue to move in so that their property can be protected. And they understand that the power of the purses was important. Now, your other black people, you know, the ones that live in the poor areas, every time they take a handout, and I understand when, you, when you're when you hungry and stuff's happening, you need that. So that's what right. that stuff is for, for people who need it. But you got three and four generations coming out of one home, and they right. will vote whatever way. Whoever's giving them something, they'll vote that way. So the votes right. on one hand do matter when it is convenient to the people who want the votes. Our problem as people is we join parties. We should have never joined political parties. We should have been the swing voters. Because if mm. you stay on the outside mm. and no one never knows what you're standing for, they always right. look for you in the last bit. That's why the Republicans, when they go out to get votes, they go to their home states or they go to the smaller states first. They do all their politicking in their states first, and then they go out to the poor folks. They don't go to the poor folks first. That's how you lose your advantage. But if you stay out of all of it and they need a few more votes towards the end, because there's only so much you can cheat or rig, they'll be forced to try to find out what's on your mind. You should never tell your business. Never tell them which way you're going to go. Ever. Man, you know, and, and, and to be honest with you, at the end of the day, just in my opinion, you know, I'm always believing that that's the main issue that we have as a people. I feel that we we fell too deep inside of politics, and we haven't got our economics together, and we need to take this time. Here's my my main question to us as a people tonight. And once again, if you if you're listening, you call in three four seven eight two six ninety six hundred. Press option one to talk. Uh, Rad radio. My my question to our people is: We've been waiting for a black president. We got one. We even have a black attorney general. We're still seeing brothers being gunned down in the streets. We're still seeing high unemployment rates. We're seeing everything that you could think that you could rest on uh, for those who keep calling everything in this country ours. But we're noticing the economic part is what's driving everything. Uh, the Latinos or the Mexicans who are 
who are pushing uh, this thing for um, immigration, those are the, the Latinos or the Mexicans who have uh, financial power. It's not the immigrants. They the people that's here illegally. They have no. They ain't gonna stand up and talk. That's like somebody with a warrant going to the police station complaining. That's not gonna happen. So they're not, they're not the ones that's pushing that. The main people who are pushing that uh, to the public and to the people are those who have money. So you have to have uh, economic backing, but for us as Africans or black African Americans or black folks, whichever you want to be called, like I said today, I'm not in the mood to argue semantics. Our main problem is we don't have anything that is concentrated, that is powerful enough. Even our voting block is not as powerful as we think it is. Because if it was, and like you're saying, Brother Ty, how is it possible that we vote for the Democrats the way that we do and we still get no results? We're still back at the table asking for things that were promised during these campaign speeches, during these um, during these political seasons. We still we ask for all of this. So well, for me, I, I, Brother Ty, I, I, go, go ahead. Go ahead, Brother Well, I, say well, I was about to say what? Oh, go ahead. I say this much. It's always been set up so that power has been set to be diverted to the states. The federal government, the whole goal was to occupy Congress such that the federal government would end up being like a puppet state in itself so that the states right. can run things the way they want. Now, Obama right. knew this coming in did, and I, you know, I didn't, there's some things he did I didn't agree with, and then some things he did I, I did. But what a lot of people, some people don't see is this fact here, is that if he's went to certain places and have been trying to launder statistics, and I'll explain what I mean by launder statistics. When in the early 90s, um, the U.S., Canada, and uh, the, 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 uh, a bunch of other, no, it was the U.S., Canada, and the United Kingdom, they were on this whole thing during the Reagan, during the late '80s, early '90s, during the Reagan Bush era about the war on drugs, and then they were also right. tying in deportation into it. So they started right. deport, deporting American citizens who had came over from Jamaica and came over from Trinidad were here ever since they were kids, from four, five years old, they in their twenties, thirties, whatever. They start deporting them for minor offenses, sending them back to their homes, destitute unable to do anything, separating right. them from their families, okay? Now, Obama did go over to Jamaica and help clear a lot of that up. And now this is years in the making to help bring some of those people back home to their families. Then right. there's the situation in Africa where you had the situation with Boko Haram. Now, that's speculative. I'm, I'm not so much, you know, there's a lot of details with that we can go into, but I'm not going to go into that. But he did make it so that a lot of the victims of the incident that happened in Boko Haram were able to come here and live for a while. Now, a lot of people say, why is he always in all these other places getting all these other black people, but it doesn't seem like he's helping the people here? You have to understand, when that president goes up in front of Congress, he's got to take the people with him. He has no power if the people aren't with him. That's why they're able to send a letter to Iran and say he has no power. Why? Because the... House, which is made up of people who represent the populations in the states they're in, are only a few people who were chosen, and then the Senate 
is another few people who were chosen, and they're supposed to be speaking for all of us, and they don't have our interests at heart. So you got a president who's standing in front of proxies, and he don't have the people. So here's here's the trick, since he knows politics. Since you look at the economic situation with blacks here in America, if he fills a lot of cities with African immigrants from other countries and gets them to go to school and gets them jobs, it's easier for them to get jobs, because they're classified as black and of African descent like us, our numbers go up a little. Now, a lot of people don't believe that, but if you look at the census, pay attention to the census. They keep redefining what is considered white and Caucasian. They now have South, they've always had South Africa on there, obviously, but now they have North Africa and they have a couple of other places on there that now are classified as white and Caucasian. So if you look at 2013, there were only 62.2% of this country that was considered to be white or Caucasian in numeration. One or two years later, now you're telling me we're back to 70%? No, this is about changing the numbers per state so that you can choose your House members and your Senate members to run this country. This is what it's about. So he brings over more black people to even kill. Otherwise, you'll be smaller than you were before, and you're not generating any revenue because a lot of people are in debt. They got the child support thing. They got all this other stuff, and the state is just siphoning money off these people, using them like batteries. But they can bring immigrants over. Why? Because these people, if they commit an offense, they get deported. So more than likely, the ones that are still here, they are providing positive statistics and making real money. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying. I'm hearing what you're saying. I'm here in in Minnesota where we have a large uh, continental African immigration um, population. And I'll be honest, man, when it comes to the number of things, and it's a lot of it's a lot of colliding that's going on amongst them and us. And they are, uh, you know, just like we are quick to separate ourselves from them, they are quick to separate themselves from us. So I don't see how President Obama can get this thing mastered. The other thing I would say is he doesn't have the power of the purse, but he didn't have to bring Arnie Duncan in as a member of his cabinet to keep No Child Left Behind. Because with the people, the stronger you are is with, with, your, with, the, with your youth. And when you're doing things that are destroying the education of the youth, uh, that's not helping our people whatsoever. It's hurting our people just like it's going to hurt white people in the long run. But it's more it's going to hurt us uh, worse, as Malcolm says, hey, when the white man uh, catches the flu, we catch pneumonia. So we have to be careful, you know, in, in some of the things that we do. And this president, he has to be a little bit wiser uh, in the way that he moves, and he needs to consult more of our people when he does things. I would also like to point out, you know, to under him, like I, I, I'll go back before about saying we're public enemy number one. Uh, there, I, I would almost guarantee that if you had any other ethnic um, president in office, that they would sit back and watch. No, I, I'm going to take that back. I'm not going to put that on them. Because if they select you to be president and you're ethnic, more than likely they've already vetted that you're not going to fight back. But it's just appalling to see how many black men are gunned down in this country. And remember, this all started with Skip Gates getting uh, harassed at his home. Obama said that the cop was stupid. The cop and, and, and the police um, the police union shot back. They had a beer summit. Obama ain't said much about the police overall since. And he won't say anything. And that right there let me know, let me know 
up front that the brother had no teeth when it comes to him being president. Because no president, George Bush would never have apologized to no damn police officer. I guarantee you that much. It would have been no apology. Yeah. Bill Clinton wouldn't apologize. And, and Ronald Reagan, George Bush Sr., Jimmy Carter, uh, Nixon, Lyndon B. Johnson, JFK, you can go on back and write the names. They ain't apologizing to no damn cop. If anything, they'd right. we'll have your ass fired off the force. So Now, you got to think me, about this. Go ahead. You got to think about this, though. He's black, and I know we're saying the same thing, but he's black. That's always going to be a factor. It shouldn't be, but this is how unfair it is. And the thing about it is when you select, when you get chosen and you take the responsibility to be the president of the United States, you almost have to be covert about it because some things you can call out and some things you got to think about and say, okay, in this Game of Thrones, how bad do I want to screw up? so that I can't get people into other positions to occupy. Because the thing about it is, if I come off being 100%, let's say, 100% pro-black, right? I get in there, I'm the president, I'm a black president, I'm the first recognized black president that this country had, and I'm 100% pro-black, and I never talk about any other issues, and I ignore the majority of the country. Okay. Right. The likelihood that you'll get another black president or you get another black person in a chief position, people are going to look at you even more harder. So you say, okay, well, there's some things I can't cut my teeth at, and some things I'm just going to stand up and bite the bullet on. But whatever I do, I need people in key positions under me and within the states to back me. That means that when I go up in front of Congress or anybody else, I need the people behind me because that's the only real power. Because these proxies that have the power, the person, all that other stuff, these people are uh, by default representing you, and you didn't ask them. Or you haven't asked right. them in a while. You don't even know who they are because a lot of people just don't even vote, and those people get the position because nobody's you know active. So he needs the people behind him to do those things. Now, some decisions he made, I'm like, oh, my goodness, why did he even do this? But I'll tell you, if he went in and he went after every police officer, he went after all this, you know, everybody over every little thing and overrided the states on every little thing, you would have seen things be far more worse than you could possibly imagine. They always can be worse than that. Well, well, this is my this is my point on that. My point would be if you if you think about it, brother Todd, and you look at it, I'm not, he doesn't have to go directly after these folks. That's what your attorney general is for. Now that you're president, you don't necessarily have to do anything. George Bush, when he wanted to go after certain groups, he didn't tell you he was going after them. He let the attorney general and all those people do all that. That's what your cabinet's there for. You don't have to do anything. Obama's not giving out the curriculum. That's what he got Arnie Duncan for, to tell the nation what the curriculum will be for the entire country. So you put people in positions, and you let them play their positions. Then you keep your hands off, and then you can always have it so far down the ladder that no one knows. But at the same time, that's not happening. There is no examples being made. If an example would have been made a long time ago, you wouldn't have so many brothers being gunned down. But this, once again, is what happens when you don't see yourself as public enemy number one. The brother earlier today uh, who called in, and he was talking about these stereotypes and how we see ourselves, I think the worst thing that we can do for ourselves as black men in this country being public enemy number one, is to think that we are sharing this pie mutually or we're sharing this pie equally. This is not a pie. Matter of fact, we're not even we're not even getting a guest share of the pie. What we're able to do is we're able to watch other people eat the pie. 
all due to the fact that we're not out saying, you know what, I see how you're playing the game. No matter what I do, no matter how I try to fit into your system, we're going to always get messed over in the long run. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to minimize my loss. What I'm going to do is I'm going to say, you know what, Tyrone, you want to buy a house? Yeah, I, I can show you how to even get everything set up to buy a house. And go down and get the people in your in, in the places that you live and say, you know what, how about we go and do some group economics? How about we go buy some land? How about we go set up our own communities? Well, you know what, when you set up your own communities, you're going to need businesses. So we better set up our own businesses as well. We need to set up our own security as well. These are the things that other groups have done in this country to be successful. No, you don't see the Asians infiltrating uh, Congress. You don't see the Asians infiltrating City Hall. But what they have done is they carved out enough of a niche so they can go into their Asian communities and whatever's going on in City Hall is not really going to bother them. Yeah, they might have to pay some taxes they don't want to pay. They might have to deal with stupid laws like everyone else that they have to deal from. But at the same time, overall, they're shielded from that. And if you really wanted to come into their communities, and you really wanted to try to wild out if you're the police, they're not going to have you just gunning them down like that. You don't see Asians just getting the gun down in the street. And we can't say, I know um, my people inside of Minnesota, especially those inside of St. Paul, they understand they're not going down in Frogtown just gunning down no Asians. That's not happening because other groups have practiced group economics. What we keep trying to do as black people is we keep trying to make this thing on our own. And all they're doing is with that isolation, they're just knocking us off. We're isolating ourselves, and you brought up chess. That's the biggest thing in chess you can't do. You, you, the king can't isolate himself, and the queen can't stray too far away from the other power pieces for her backup, so she's not isolated. If that happens, she's going to get knocked off the board first, and then the king is going to be knocked off the board next. If you go into every city where you see black folks uh, who have a large population of 10% or more, you know what I'll give us? Go into a community where you have a population of 5% or more of us, and you go and see who black women are hanging out with. Most black men don't oh, yeah. go in circles and hang around with, don't hang around uh, white men and white women as large as we as our sisters are. Now, I'm not saying that our sisters are there with the white folks, but they do be in the same places where white folks be at. We're isolating ourselves daily. And we don't understand that because we don't see ourselves as the enemy. We see ourselves as people who have made it. And this is what every other group has. Even even if you came in and you didn't have any hostility, and I don't believe that we necessarily need to have hostility towards any group. We should just be more concerned and concentrated on making these accomplishments for ourselves and for the next generations. This generation here might not see the, the return of those moves. But two generations down the line might see that, hey, you know that community that we built of 200 homes, that black uh, neighborhood that we actually built, uh, that's still thriving to this day. That's what we need to be on. It's a, well, let me ask you a question. This is a, this is okay. an interesting one. Okay. Say, and I don't know if I've asked this, I've asked this question to a couple people before, but say you're doing pretty well financially, right? Mm-hmm. And... You're living in a neighborhood with other black people that are doing pretty well financially. The majority of that neighborhood that you're living in, let's just say it's a county. No, let's not say it's a county. Let's say it's a city. The majority of that city is full of married folks. This is the majority. It's married. 
Okay. But either way, the households are finding economically doing well, or at least okay. okay. Now, well, you have a neighboring city that has a declined school system, poor housing, poor this, and one of your neighbors says, I have the money and I'm going in with friends to go ahead and put up an apartment complex next door in mm-hmm. our area, which is going to be okay. able to house some of those people in the neighboring town that are also black. And right. in the next town hall meeting, I want to bring up the idea of redistricting so that their students can now go to our schools where we have better books and better stuff like that so that we can help them out. Now, it's going to bring our property values down, you know, significantly, and it's going to bring some other statistics and some problems in, but we'll be helping our people out. Now, how do you feel about that? Well, I always say it all depends on the rules and what you're going to do. Um, and and here's, here's my thing, because I've had this conversation before with some brothers. I feel like if you're going to create any development, you better come in uh, with those people that you're trying to, you, you want to get some things established. Because my thing is we as a people, under the current mentality that we have, we're a danger to each other. And it's, it's going to take some, some, some redoing of how we see each other and how we respect each other to change that. So if if, if all we're gonna do is get some, all we're gonna be doing is moving in some black folks, uh, black you know black skin white mentality, that I wouldn't be down for that. But if it was some parameters that was in place that that preached family first uh, and foremost and had some um, some strong parameters uh, for this apartment complex to make sure that these people would be able to thrive and to get these students into school and know that these families are thriving, then I would be for that. I'm a firm believer that I, I don't believe we can we can save everybody. And I don't believe that we should be trying to save everybody either. I think when you try to save people who are not ready, all they're going to do is destroy you. And that's the thing that we have to be cautious with with our people. All of us are not ready. You know, it, it, we have to remember it was black folks who joined in with COINTELPRO that went in and took some that, took down some of our greatest leaders and greatest minds. So we have to be careful with the black folk that we're trying to help. I know that might sound... Um, I I know that might sound sketchy to a lot of folks out there, but just think about this. Somebody's drowning, and you hop in the uh, lake to try to save them, or you hop in the pool and try to save them. Well, if they're struggling so hard, y'all both can drown. Now, did you hop in the pool to save them, or did you hop in the pool so both of y'all can drown? Well, if you can't save them because both of y'all going to drown, why are you hopping in the pool in the first place? So I, I, I always say with the housing situation, we need to be strict upon that. And I know a lot of people believe in, hey, I just moved in this predominantly black community, and I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to do to help my people. And what I'm telling you is, no, we're not doing what we're supposed to do to help my people. What we need to be doing is moving around more like-minded black folks who are setting the positive examples of family, business, or the economics of what you're talking about, Brother Todd. And then you start building, and then you get that, that political sense going after you get your economics up. That Those are the people that you want to be around first. Everybody else, you're just jumping in that pool so you can drown. It's going to look real cool like a, a Versace sweater, but in the end, it don't mean shit. Oh, yeah. Um, 
that would be the most ideal situation to to be around people who have that mindset. There will be people who will say because you have the mindset you have that somehow you're being a coon, Uncle Tom. They'll be like, oh, well, you're not sharing, so therefore blah, 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 blah. And these might be the wow. same people who are bringing bad statistics, and they do it all the time because you didn't give up your part of pie in a way that they thought that you should have. Now, all of a sudden, they think you're trying to be like the majority of the country. Right. Well, you know, and, 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 right. And you know wait, what I was going to say, brother, is, I, is is that it's okay. You know, at the end of the day, it's not about other people's perception. It's about the reality. And the reality sometimes, uh, for some people, is delayed. A lot of our people have delayed reality. I'm always amazed when we start talking about our people and how we're doing bad, and I start seeing folks start quoting Dr. King, as if Dr. King gave license for us to struggle. You know, or they start quoting Malcolm, and they, like Malcolm gave the license for us to struggle. No, Malcolm and Dr. King didn't say just accept anything and everyone. It's, it should be some parameters on the things that we do. And I and I say this all the time to, you know, I live in a city, it's called Brooklyn Center, and it's a, it's a neighboring city called Brooklyn Park. Well, if you look at the Brooklyns, the majority of them are the people that live out here are black. Those are a large portion is the continental Africans that you were talking about. They're the majority of the city. So when I talk to people who live in Minneapolis, I'm like, look, man, you got to be crazy not to move out here. The street is in the numbers. You already got 52% of the population is here. But what's going on right now is a push. It's a um, it's an equity firm uh, that is, I forgot the name of them. They sound like Blackwater, but it's not Blackwater. Uh, they're buying up all of the property. They did it in Atlanta. They're doing it out, out uh, they're doing it in a lot of other places out east where you have these predominantly black communities. And when people start putting up these houses, these white folks start selling their houses, they're not selling it to any more black folks or anybody that, that consider themselves non-white. They're selling it to this equity firm, and this equity firm is making sure that they got parameters up that's going to be too high for black folks to get into these houses. So they're keeping that political power alive. These are the things that we don't understand because we're so busy, and, it, and it's really not about the politics. It's about the economics because the politics are just set up to keep the economics in place. If you get your money right, then you can control the politics, but you can't get the politics right to get your money right. That's not how it works, uh, just like how it is in chess. You know, if in order to get that queen out, you got to move a pawn. You can't move, you can't move the queen before you move that pawn to open up that space. And I think that's our problem as a people. We haven't really understood how politics truly work. The people who really hop into politics and who are thick in politics, the first thing they do is get their money right. The Jews didn't invest, didn't invest in, uh, I shouldn't say invest, the Jews wasn't worried about getting uh, senators and all those things first until they got their banking right. Once they got the banks right, once they got their, their infrastructure and those, their institution right, then they hopped into the politics. That's the game that we need to play. And I, oh, yeah, I fear. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I agree. And, I agree and, because. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I would say I agree because with our communities, you know, if you don't have any revenue to play with, then it's you, you can't. It's hard to play because you, you can't do anything. You don't have access to right. resources to influence people, so your political power is low. And they say, oh, well, there's not enough black businesses in your community. That's because the big companies have enough money to buy enough product. The small companies right. don't have enough money to buy the product. I say that to people over and over, you know. And so if you dedicate one day out of the year – for supporting black businesses and everybody shops 
you know, if they spend two or three dollars at one store one day out of the year. What that does for the industry, the marketplace, it says that one day out of the year, which is like a holiday almost, everybody's going to shop at this black-owned business. So, therefore, instead of me only exclusively selling, you know, distributing these products to the big white box stores, which is like Walmart right. and whatever, I'm going to extend these products to the small businesses at a fair price because I know that one day out of the year they're going to sell a lot of candles or whatever that is. And that's redistributing a power. And now all of a sudden that big white box store knows that in their candle section, they can't compete with you because one day out right. of the year you're selling out of all your inventory. And so we never play like that. Right. And, and and to me that to me in my opinion, I think that those are the and that those are the things that we struggled the most in. Uh, we we struggled hard with not being not putting ourselves uh uh you know we 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 definitely uh, didn't have we we didn't put ourselves in position um, you know to be more successful. And that's where we struggle as a collective at because we're not doing these things and we're not passing these things down to our kids. I, I talk to my son and I talk to kids all the time and I say, man, Bill Gates was working inside of his garage coming up with Microsoft. I'm, I'm out looking at some young men right now. They are working on their basketball game. You know, remember when Jim Jones had that song Baller? Remember that baller? Everybody yeah. was like, they loved that song, Ballers. And my thing is, yeah, you a baller, but in order to be a baller, you got to be an owner. Somebody has to own you. <laughs> there ain't no ballers without who owns the ballers. And that's the thing that oh, as the yeah. people we haven't thought about that. We, we don't we don't come up with that logic. We send our kids to AAU camps, and we don't send our kids to business camps. And that's when that mind frame changed. When we start saying, look, man, our mothers, our daughters. Our sisters are spending so much money on nails, we need to get in the nail business. We need to stop criticizing sisters with fake nails, and we need to try to get some cats, some of these young folks, to get in the nail business. They're young. They're naive to a lot of things, so that means they'll have more courage. Get in the business. Take that business over. We're spending too much money on it. We got too much money wrapped up in hair weave. Yeah, we can talk bad about it, but sisters are still rocking it. Brothers have been criticizing weave for 15 years. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I'm glad you mentioned the AAU. Um, I was having a conversation with some people the other day because I went to a local meeting where, where, you know, a couple local meetings in my area, and we were talking about the school systems. And, and the right. thing about AAU is is that those magnet schools, when they – okay, you got to test to get in those schools, right? You got to be the best right. and brightest to get in those schools. And for every head that they get from the public school system, that tax dollar goes over there. Now – they make it easy for athletes to get in, really well-performing athletes that place really well to get into the magnet school. Oh, they'll make a way. Right. And inside those magnet schools, people who run those magnet schools who work inside, not the corporations that own them, but the people that work inside, they have alumni connections to some of the most prestigious colleges in the whole country. So when you say right. you go to school and you're playing well, you're almost a shoe-in. They're basically telling you these are the colleges you can get in, and we're going to put you in one of these colleges. They've just bought right. this person. And now that they bought this person, if you go big and go to the pros, they take their product. They have business, Coke, Pepsi, all these guys. The way they sell more shoes, Coke, Pepsi, you know, headphones, is by aligning them with an athlete or a musician. That's right. why Jay-Z, they always say, Jay-Z, Jay-Z is a musician. He's worth this amount of money. They come, MGM owns um, Rockefeller. Right. You know, they own the majority share. 
And that's a French company that's been around since the days of Walt Disney. They've been right. in the country since the days of Walt Disney. That's why he's got so much money. He owns a part of it, so he can say, I own it, but he doesn't own the majority share. And just like any other go. artist, they know that in order for me to get to the billion-dollar mark, I have to sell out to a white company of a choice. Right. Right. But but see, but but that goes back to that collective naiveness, and then we are letting these guys be the face of, of white businesses. You know, I, I've been a fan. Uh, I, I've always my, my one of my favorite artists was Master P, and I used to tell people why I love Master P was Master P would be on record, and he'd be like, "Look, man, I swore I'd never work for the white man again." You know, he talked about how artists were only getting paid fifteen percent, and he said, "Hey, they ain't enough to pay my rent." And he was adamant about owning his own things. Now, here's the thing. He wasn't the best rapper. You know, the music wasn't the best uh, morally. But at the end of the day, I loved his business savvy. I loved how he was on record saying, hey, look, this is what other brothers is going doing. They're kissing these white folks' butts. Uh, and then they, then they called me up trying to give me a, uh, trying to give me a contract. And he, wasn't, he couldn't rap as good as Jay-Z. But you know what? He, well, he owned his masters. You know he owned his company. And my thing is, we don't support those guys. We support the Russell Simmons and the Puffies and the Jay-Zs because we see them closer to the white folks. You never see Master P uh, rubbing shoulders with, with Tommy Hilfiger. So we won't support him. And that's our thing as a people. We have to start changing our definition of success and what does it mean to make it. Because in order for you to be a billionaire, you can be Bob Johnson and you can sell BET for a billion dollars. But look at the power that you lost selling BET for that billion dollars. Yeah, you got the money, but what power did you lose? And then you got divorced to your wife and you had to give up most of that money anyway. Oh, yeah. They, when, you, when they start looking at the money, they start looking at, well, how long am I going to live to see a return on this? You know, maybe if I keep it for another whatever, I can pass it to my kids or I can get this billion dollars now. And those right. other rappers, it's funny how, you know, the, 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 the street cats that sold drugs and did all that stuff to get off the street and to get into the game. They did it with drug right. money. And once that drug money, once you start paying tax on it and start building labels and stuff like that, the government don't care because you're paying them tax. Right. Now you done took right. dirty money, turned it clean, and you're in the business right. of making money. But then you start realizing, right. you know what's cool? A billion dollars is cool. How do I make a billion right. dollars? I have to sell to a wider demographic. I need a company to come in and buy me. And then you start going to, you know, some of those guys never thought about going to college until they got up there and they realized, hey, I want to be on the board or I want to get a percentage of this bigger company. And the only way they're going to let me sit on the board is if I have a degree or something like that. Starts off like that, sounds good, but then they leave the black community completely because they realize that right. the only way is I gotta sell more, I gotta be aligned with more brand and distribution. Right. Well, you know, and, and that and that's but when you don't believe your public enemy number one, when you don't relate to the brother that's being gunned down in the street, when you're making the excuses for these cops that are gunning these brothers down, you make these decisions and you isolate yourself because you know I, I was. Watching this thing with uh, Steve Coakley, the late Steve Coakley, and he was talking about how Rupert Murdoch got the rest of his money. And he talked about oh, it was yeah. a Jewish man that Rupert Murdoch got. Uh, he took advantage of the fact that the man died mysteriously on a boat. And after he died mysteriously on a boat, Rupert Murdoch got all these for this, this fortune. And my thing <laughs> is, you know, when you're in isolation and you're black and you belong to all these subsidiaries and you, your money's tied up in all this other stuff, 
more than likely, and we've seen this time and time again from a lot of our heroes and sheroes, when they die, it seems like their money always seems to go to somebody white. So no matter how much they build while they're here alive, the money don't stick with us. And that's part of the problem. It's the, we're not passing down generational wealth. Uh, we're not creating collective power. We're thinking about how we're going to blend in more and more. And when I tell my people, when they get upset, when I say, man, y'all keep buying this politics thing, it ain't nothing but politics because at the end of the day, what has it gotten us so far? You got a black president and, you okay, you got your black president. Now, you go, you, now you're tripping off Hillary. So, so you can get this woman in. So now it's about the woman. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't the white woman the main one that was abusing black children on the, on the plantation? This school to prison pipeline isn't most of the teachers white women. I'm just well, saying. That's, that's you know, right. We, we got to be careful on on who we frame as friends and who we're going to help in, and we can't rely on politics. People have in poli- politics only works in in two ways. You got to be the you got to be the dominant society. You got to be part of the dominant society for it to work for you. One or two, it has to be a financial ramification that's so strong and so stiff that even the dominant society says or the dominant culture says, "Man, I'm not willing to take that risk." If you don't have those two things going for you, just getting up, washing your face, and washing your ass again to a poll and voting ain't enough. Well, the thing for me about the the politics thing is um, it's just like we, we was talking about chess. Now, if I'm down a whole bunch of pieces and I'm in, I've made, let's say I started the game and everything just went completely to crap, right. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to lose this game because I don't have enough power pieces. I don't have enough. My position on the board is crappy. I can't do anything about the moves I already made. So if I sit right. and think about the moves I already made, you know, I'm just waiting to get killed. But here's the thing. Right. You do have your life. And if you play suicide chess in a, such a way where it's like you put your opponent in a position where they don't know if they want to give up certain pieces for what you're offering, you consistently control their mood and mind state in terms of having them guess, well, what is he doing? Why is he doing this suicide move? No, I'll let him have this space because this piece over here is more valuable to me than what he's fighting for. When in reality, you pretty much already lost, but you're convincing them that you have something that could hurt them. And so to make it clear and plain with black people, think about this. Very few of us get married anymore. And we say, hey, we don't need marriage because it's just a piece of paper, whatever. What people don't realize, if you pull it apart and look at the the loopholes, marriage is an enterprise recognized by the state. It's a business. Right. And you got to know how to play the game because within that enterprise, you can actually control how your assets are diverted and the state can't touch it. People don't realize right. that there's a to marriage. That is why the wealthy, even though they don't have to get married, they get married and they come up with a charter for their business. You know what they call it? They call it a prenup. A prenup. Right. That's a charter for their business. It's called a prenup. A prenup is a a business charter for the enterprise of marriage because marriage is recognized by the state as a business. And that's right. why the rich can afford to get married, divorce, and not go broke because they've already predefined how the business assets will be dissolved when one enterprise closes and another opens. Where with the black right. people, our people, 
we're out here practicing info, in in um informal polygamy, getting all these women pregnant, and when they leave, what do they take? Everything. They got brothers jumping off of bridges because the child support is too high. Running right. from police because the child support is too high. Child support is killing them. They don't realize right. that your name is valuable, passing on those assets, combining your incomes in, as an enterprise so that you provide a positive revenue statistic for the state. They don't realize how powerful that is. No, that, and, and, that, and that's true, and that, and that goes back to the trick of, man, you know, this politic thing is all we need. The marriage bit, and I tell my brothers this that single all the time, man, get your ass in the game. Stop talking about it. Stop slow-footing. Stop killing yourself with this fake morality. Get married. That That's the thing, man. They say the most revolutionary thing you can do as a black man is marry a black woman. And I would say this to go back to our celebrities who are always, uh, when they die, uh, the, the fortune end up going out. Part of it is because they don't marry black women. They're marrying women of other races, and those other races, they're not dedicated to us, so they're dedicated to their man. So once that man goes, they're not trying to uh, put that money towards no endowment that belongs to us. Brother Ty, hold on a second. We got another caller. Let's just call a call in. Hey, Red Radio, uh, this is uh, yes. Thomas Barry, your host. Hey, how you doing today? Very good, very good. I'm listening to your advice and everything. I'm sorry. When it comes to the marriage thing, until the law becomes a little bit more fair, black people or white people or any man are not going to get married. The marriage is going down. Everybody is scared of marriage. Everybody's saying, hell no. There's too much right. power on women when it comes to marriage. A woman, you could be the best black man in the world. And I know some friend of mine who were very good did everything they needed to do, and the woman decided out on her own, you know what, I feel that the relationship is boring. You know what, you didn't do this. Or, you know what, any reason that she feels like it. And I see some of my friends that I know lost everything. So when you're telling mm. single people get married, black people, I'm sorry, that is the wrong advice. Until the law changes and it becomes more like, hey, it's not because you're married that you're going to control the rest of my life and jeopardize the hard work that I did as a black person. Marriage is going to go down. Black people, young people are not interested in marriage because they're a little bit smart. They read this stuff. And I'm sorry, I know two personal friends who lost everything because they were married to a black woman. Well, let me, let me, let, let me say this. Okay, well, let me, let me, let me say this in, in that regard. If you believe that you lost everything because you were married, I would say, man, you know, the, the, the main thing is it, when you're in a relationship, you, you know, you do attract who you are, a reflection of you. That's the first thing. The second thing is, hey, you got to be, because that one guy or those few friends who lost uh, those everything in a marriage, that doesn't mean that, that that's the, the majority. And the other thing that I will point out is there's a lot of things that wealthy people do that the majority of people that are supposed to be smart don't do. In the words of Charles Barkley, I don't have a college degree, but everybody who works for me do, so who's the smart one? So that's that's what I would say on that. Uh, we have to be playing the, like me and brother been talking about chess. We got to get off this checkerboard that we've been living on. And the, I, I agree with you. The point that you're saying that as a black man, we have to start trying to become employees and try to become business owners and try to own things. That I agree with you. I tell all brothers right. and everything. Once you, if you have a job, you know you're not improving anything. If you have a job, you're just over broke. You don't own nothing. Yeah, you just don't. You're but a welfare. If you have a job. You got a job. You're a welfare. Yeah, Exactly. You're you're basically waiting for somebody else to control your life. 
if you have a job, you can't go to your boss. You know what? I, I was responsible for giving 500% in company. Please pay me 400%. No boss is going to do this because you don't own up anything. And black people have to get over the fact that just saying, you know what, I need to be a, a rapper or this and that. Why don't you own a music industry? Why don't you own the television industry? Why don't you own something? Stop trying to become the basketball player and own up to have enough money so you can buy a basketball player team. That's a totally different thing, you know. And that's the thing that I know. I, I, I strongly agree, and, and and that's my problem. When we, me and brother Ty, was talking about Jay Z and others, when I talked about how we start glorifying these people who are just the face of white corporations, uh, Jay Z tell you he owns the Nets, and in the words of Fifty Cent, he only owns the seats. And he said it's fool gold. He he sold to you fools, and I watch you buy it. And that's the thing. It's a mentality that people, it's not because, take your degree, whatever degree you have, black people, and do something about it. Don't take your degree and say, you know what, let me go get a, fine, go get the information that you need to do corporation, but don't say in your mind, you know what, I'm going to stay 10 years there. Because you're being lazy. You're going to stay there, and then one day you don't know what could happen. It could be not your fault. It's business. I'm sorry. I am a business owner, and I'm sorry. It's nothing personal. But if it comes to business and I got to fire, you could be the best employee in my company or whatever company. But I'm sorry, as a business owner, I'm going to make sure I make money. That's it. There's nothing. No, personal. no, and that, and and you know, and that's that's definitely understandable. That's why you have to put the power back into your own hands, and you have to put yourself in a position where you can own those things yourself. The problem that we what, what we got lost in the sauce in is we got lost in the sauce in fighting people to act right for things that they'll never act right on. It's not a form of laziness. It's just misguidedness. When we've been misguided and people beat us over the head time and time again with these Dr. King quotes. And they never play the quotes when Dr. King changed his mind. And that's the hardest thing that we have. We have a bunch of misinformation. And a lot of that, inf- that misinformation comes from elders who, act- who was around during these things, but they weren't fighting. That's the main thing. They weren't fighting. They weren't standing up. They were alive. You know, you have the Herman Cain types who lived in Atlanta, but he didn't protest anything. He didn't stand up for anything. Yeah, he survived that moment, but he survived that moment being scared. So when we listen to these brothers and these sisters who've been around and they tell you that they was around when Dr. King spoke and, and these things, just keep in mind, Dr. King, when he spoke in Washington, they made him change his speech. The I Have a Dream speech was not his original speech. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people don't know that they went to him and told him he was too radical. And they put him at the end of the program. At the end of the program. And they put him at the end of the program where the part where they knew people were going to be leaving. Yeah, and a lot of people doesn't know that in the end of it is when he was about, well, when we know he was going to die, the last year, just before he died and everything, he was talking, we were starting to talk about economics. He was starting to talk about those things. And a lot of black people didn't like that. A lot of black exactly. people, we all, think, we all remember Kumbaya with Martin Luther King, but if you read a book, and I'm reading it, The, the Death of, of the King by Travis, that talks about his last year, what he was going to go to. He was going to go to the economy. Mm-hmm. He was going to go to say to black people, you, you got to wake up, black people. I understand white people yeah. are doing whatever you got, but you don't own up anything. Same thing with Malcolm X, also go. was going to do that, too. Those two were going to yep. do and, 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 and they got shut down. They got shut down. And, 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 and. And that's the thing, and that's the reason why they shot him now was because of the economics. It has nothing to do with putting you in a position where you can lay down with a white woman. 
And I think a lot of no, our people... No, it has, it has to do with economic, thing. because like, I agree with you. Yep. I agree with that, because if, can you imagine if those two people would have still been alive and, and give what they have and said to the black, but you need to own up something? Can you imagine? Mm-hmm. Please. Big black white people right. say, you want equality, but we don't want them to own up us. No, no fucking way. <laughs> right. No, and, and, and that's the main thing, see, and, that, and that's why they keep on selling us on this equality tip, is because as long as they're selling us on that equality tip and we're like, oh, well, we got to get this equality and, and we got to get we got to be equal with them. It's like, man, equal with what? What, what, does, what does that equality look like? And what equality you want? It's like like you said, in politics, everything. When I see black people, oh, I voted Obama, I voted. Like you said, what did he do? And I, yeah, he's the first black president. Good. Okay. What did what What changed? Was he there to say, you know what, cops, we want this to stop? Was he there to say, you know what, I'm a black person, and because I'm a black person, I'm going to make sure that black people are going to get a lot of jobs? He didn't do that. Please. No, even and, and, if he and, and wanted to, even if he wanted to, let's say he wanted to. Maybe he did right. want to say, so, you know what, I want to do those things. You think Congress and everybody's like, we can't do that. We don't have the budget. We're not, suddenly all the stuff would be against him. But if it was a white person or a Latino person or even a woman, then you were hearing all the budget. Oh, yeah, we could do that for black people now. We, we can't give them to have best job. We can't do this. No. And, and that's definitely it. Well, brother, I want to thank you and brother Ty. I got some more callers in. I want to thank both of y'all, thank brother. You. I'm going to put y'all on mute please so y'all can keep hearing the show. And please continue your great show. Thank you. Hey, thank you, brother. And uh, and, I, and I, I want to thank you guys both for calling in, man, because we do this every week so we can, you know, talk to the people. And, and, and brother got to keep the conversations going. Uh, the one thing that they don't want us doing as, as men is they don't want us talking. They'd rather have us in a position where we're just, you know, well, we're letting them do all the conversating for us, and that's what they want. They want you to be distracted with everything else and not talk about the issue that, that you have as, as as a black man in this country. So I, I want to just want to thank you, brothers, again, and let me uh, put you guys on mute and get to this next call here. Thank you. Hold on one second here. Rand Radio. Hey, what's up, brother? How you doing? Man, I'm doing pretty good. I I uh, got on the tail end of your last caller. And uh, you say some interesting stuff. <clears throat> I'm, oh, I'm, no, I'm no, no, definitely. definitely. Show, but I, I always come to support. So I know that uh, the, the topic was talking about violence and uh, what we can do to stem what's going on. Um like I said, I, I missed all the show up until the last 35 seconds. So uh, I just wanted to call in my support. And, um, and uh, let me get in where I fit in on, on whatever topic you guys are discussing right now at the moment. Oh, no. I mean, the thing is, the overarching thing is black men being public enemy number one. And what me and those brothers were talking about, we were discussing the things that's needed to uh, to protect our people. And the main thing that we were talking about, we talked about economics and developing economics. And we also were talking about, uh, we were talking about uh, politics, uh, how we need to step away from politics. Brother Ty out of Washington, uh, D.C. was talking about how we should have been the swing voters. We never should have been saying that we were for one party or the other. We should have had the parties bending to us. And I agree with that. But I also agree that we need to leave politics alone. I think that we've focused too long on politics. We've had a black president. 
a black attorney general, and we're still getting gunned down in the streets. Our economics is still bad. What else are we waiting on? What else do we need? And do we keep blaming our own people for not voting when clearly folks have sh- showed up to the poll for President Obama? And if they wouldn't have showed up for President Obama, there would be no Eric Holder. Uh, there would not be, uh, uh, you know, um, Valerie Jarrett. And, and these other black folks are in these powerful positions. So do we keep blaming our people or do we look at the fact that politics is just not the answer and we would be better served if we start forming communities um, and, and living in areas next to each other? So we had a spirited uh, conversation. We had a brother that came in earlier, called in earlier, and in my opinion he was cooling a little bit because I don't believe in calling out uh, black stereotypes and saying, why are we doing things to live up to the stereotype? That was our first caller of the show. I disagree with mm-hmm. that. Uh, the last caller called in, and he was talking about us creating jobs uh, or creating businesses instead of looking for jobs. And I agree with that. If you, I've been saying this for years. If you have a job, you're on welfare, period. Now, you can say I can quit that job and go find me another one, but at the end of the day, you're still depending on someone else to provide you with a job. What are you going to do? So it's, it's changing the minds, and we have to change the minds of our young people, and we have to start getting them more entrepreneur-friendly, and um, we have to change the mind of our of our other folks. Now, what me and the last brother uh, disagreed upon was marriage. I believe marriage is the key. I believe that if we're not marrying each other and we are not uh, building that foundation of family, then you can't. It's hard to build community, and that's what we struggle with as a people. Um, and they go through our women to do that, and by tricking our women in the '90s to believe that being an independent black woman was a thing to do. Well, man, when you're saying you're independent, who are you independent of? Who are you independent from? Because they're definitely independent of the white man. So we have to we have to just reemerge ourselves, and um, we have to think about it. We can't have any more brothers being gunned down on film. And my one question that I asked that nobody answered is: It time for us to start arming ourselves? What do you think about that, bro? Right. I could talk for the last seventeen minutes about that. What do you think? All right, I, I, I really I'm, I'm glad you did. First of all, thank you very much. Well, first of all, thank you for doing the show. Number one, and number two. Uh, I think for the, the, the synopsis to get us to, to the present point. And uh, I, I think it's awesome but almost amazingly timing. Timing-wise, a great thing for me to be the kind that calls right about now. Um, I agree with your assessment on, on marriages uh, as far as blacks marrying blacks and building families and building communities. I, I completely and totally believe in that. Uh, when you look at our current situation uh, and this current climate in this country, uh, we don't really have black communities anymore. We have black neighborhoods. There's no financial basis for There's no familial ties in a lot of places. Uh, we spend an awful lot of energy fighting against each other. Um, I completely and totally agree that the natural next step for us to protect our streets and protect ourselves is armor ourselves. Um, with that, we have to be responsible um, in how we do it. Um, and I almost think that what we go through on a daily basis in our professional career, you and I, that you got to go mm-hmm. classroom to classroom, kid to kid, child to child, and in the world at large, man to man, and get enough men to understand that if you want to lead, there's no better time in history for the black man to be where he needs to be right now. 
it, it, it shouldn't be a bunch of women in the neighborhood arming themselves. It should be men. We have to be smart about it. We have to be legal. Now, I realize that the laws in this country, especially some politics, are not bent in our favor. I almost feel like they're not even for us, to be honest. But we need to have enough knowledge of those laws to understand where we fit within them and how to fight them. Um, I think it's beyond time. We need not see not one more brother catch a bullet from a cop. Um, I was actually in a build yesterday, and a brother said uh, something to the the effect that the first caller said, that if black men wouldn't make themselves targets, if we completely and totally abided by the law, if we didn't run, if we didn't move too quickly, if we didn't do X, Y, Z, then we'd be safe. And what I've learned is that by virtue of the skin that we're in, nobody's safe. For every young black man that's ran or made a sudden move, his brother that sat completely still. For everybody that might have been without conscience, there's a guy that had it. For every guy that supposedly broke the law, there was one that had no fear of the law. They're shooting young, old, college-educated, high school, criminal element, non-criminal element, if it's got black skin and it's male or female, they're shooting. They're shooting first and asking questions later, and the court system will let them get off. Um, right. I feel like it, it needs to be a national movement. Um, on the Brothers Bill, when we do that, that's something I'm definitely going to talk about at length of how we need to do it, how we need to go about it. Right. Make the change because the bottom line is, man, at the end of the day, it's about respect. And if you don't respect, and, and, and you know what, life, and that's the main thing. That's that's the main thing is the respect factor that we have a we have a hard time, um, you know, uh, producing. And you know what I say, especially when we're talking about arming ourselves and protecting our communities. You know, I, I remember my grandmother had a three fifty seven, and also had a shotgun. <laughs> She kept under the couch. And what I'm saying is we, we have so many things that, that we're public enemy number ones of, whether it's economics mm-hmm. where brothers are having a hard time uh, being employed or whether it's health where brothers have a hard time being healthy uh, due to uh, misdiagnosis or underdiagnosed, uh, no insurance. We have the situation where we got cops gunning us down. And what I'm saying is we have to look at it from the standpoint from here on out. We're public enemy number one. We're back to that. And I remember growing up yep. thinking to myself, I don't want to be a statistic. I remember not going places because I was like, man, I couldn't go here because if I'm outnumbered and I'm here with all these white folks, it was going to be a problem. I couldn't do certain things. I wouldn't hang out with certain people unless I knew they had my back. And my thing mm-hmm. is now I see us, we're so isolated. I, I say this even amongst my circle of brothers. I think brothers isolate themselves. You you can't just depend and be around your people when you need them. You need to be around your people to build your community. So when we, we, yep. we constantly do this to ourselves and then when we say, oh, but but look, they're, 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 they're catching us in isolated parts. They're catching us in communities where they know we don't have each other's back because we're killing each other in those communities. And, and all a brother might do is take out a film and take out his camera, start filming, and start screaming, world star. We need to change mm-hmm. that aspect. Uh, brother Ty had asked a brilliant question about, uh, you know, will we, you know, create uh, apartment complexes 
uh, for those neighboring black folks and other communities and try to get the redistricting. And I told that brother, man, we need to control the mentalities of those people. You can't just necessarily get black folks because they're black and move them in if they're going to still have issues going on because then you're wasting your money. And, you know, it all looks good. It's like a Versace sweater. Yeah, it looks good. It's expensive, but it don't mean shit in the end. You know, that's something that you can brag about, talk about doing, but in the end it won't yield no um, no progress because we're still taking uh, those folks who are mentally uh, sick. We have to come up with a formula to rechange ourselves, and I agree with my brother Travis when he talks about health, wealth, and time, and that's the change. But you got to start that with the, with the babies and those of us who are smart enough. We got to understand that, and we got to start putting ourselves in positions where we're living around each other. We can't be spread it out. We can't let them play duck, duck, goose uh, with us coming and, and going. And I, I'll say this to anybody who's out there who's scared, and you and you're worried about. You know, will you be gunned down by the police? Here's the deal. Everybody, every black man in this country is worried about being locked up in jail, and they're worried about being killed. But with all that worrying, who are you surrounding yourself with? Are you surrounding yourself with milquetoast brothers who, if you got your ass whooped by the police, they're going to tell you that you deserve it? If you got your ass whooped by the police, they're going to crack jokes about it, or they're going to do something about it. Are these going to be brothers that's going to take out a camera and film while you getting shot? and killed in front of your home, or are they going to say, no, you killed my brother, and yeah, you might kill me too, but damn it, I'm going to put some lumps upside your head to let you know I'm here. And that's what time it is. We got to stop being pussies about this. We got to stop laying up under our women trying to feel comfortable and try to prove to them that how tough we are. And we need to start getting out and letting the men be men. And that's that's the largest problem that we have. Kiss your wife, kiss your girlfriend, let her know, hey, baby, if they act up, and they mess with Olu, they're going to have to kill me too. So when they take me out, yeah, I know I got the kids and all that, but they just ain't going to kill my brother. That's just not going to be a part of it. They're going to have to kill us both. And until we start changing our mentality and start saying, you know what, we got all these talents as a people, but our talents ain't showing up in the wealth department, how can we turn that around? Let's get our economics right. I know we got people that come around to us, Brother O, talking about, Help me run for office, be a part of this campaign, be a part of this uh, political party. But them days should be long gone. We should be done with that. Yep. Because they haven't yielded any fruit that's worth it. The only thing that we keep doing is put politicians in office who keep making more blank promises, and we keep on viewing more of our own people being buried at a young age, dying before their time. And while they're dying before their time, there is no consequence. Look at the situation in Oklahoma. We got a cop who, uh, who paid to be a volunteer cop after he donated tasers to the police department. He was a rent -a cop <laughs> who paid to play cop. And at the same time, played the pay, uh, paid the play cop. He killed his brother, who was being held down by four men or three men. I'm sorry, and he shot him in the back. He didn't even need to be tased. So, to me, in my humble opinion, when I sit back and I and I think about the things that we're witnessing and that we're seeing around this country, I think a lot of it is about us changing our minds. Now, you know, you got some folks who hop and say, "Man, we need to be violent." I'm not going to tell you to be violent. What I'm saying as a man is that don't think about the violence because the violence should always be your last resort. You only become violent when you have to. 
what you need to do as uh, what we need to do as people and as men is we need to start figuring out ways to create communities. Let's stop saying communities. We don't have communities. We got places where we live. Let's create communities. Yep. Let's be serious about that. Now, I'm not going to tell you how to create your communities and all that stuff because that's for each individual man and people. Some communities might look different from others, and I'll tell you, I'm promoting, like we're doing with Brothers Bill, I'm promoting you find a group of like-minded Africans, whether it's African-Americans or continental Africans, and y'all sit up and y'all set that build up. And you, you talk about the strong suits. You say, hey, if it's a continental African and he's not for sure, he's not uh, well-versed in uh, American politics or the history of America, then, hey, that's when they lean on us African-Americans for that or black Americans, whatever you want to call yourself. And if you're not well-versed in what's going on in Africa, then we lean on the continental Africans, Africans for that. But we need to be smart about what we're doing. And I'm, I'm, I'm tired of us talking with our penises and our vaginas because I've seen enough black folks sleeping with white people, and I know that shit ain't yielding no, no, uh, no good results either. So uh, you making having babies, that's not going to change the world. Uh, this whole thing about America's going to be tanned by 2020, I don't give a damn about none of that either. What would need to happen in this country is that we need to be serious about us, and we are public enemy number one. Not number two. We're not behind the terrorists. If you think about it, it ain't been a lot of uh, so-called Arab uh, men gunned down in the street. We haven't seen that. We've seen black men being gunned down. And we must be frank about that. We need to be obvious. And when the next time we have a bullshit justice report, like what happened with Ferguson come out, and they're telling you that somebody like Mike Brown was, didn't have his hand up, even though all the witnesses said that he had his hands up, even though the coroner said he had his hands up, we need to say, man, the hell with these politics and these politicians or trickings, and we need to just do our own thing. Brother, oh, I'm going to give you the last part of the show. Uh, so you can respond to my rant here, and I'm going to close it out. I've been ranting since 7. Okay, well, I, I, I want to take this time to just really talk about our relationships and who we build with outside of our neighborhoods. First and foremost, we as a people need to quit looking outside for everything. We really are. A lot of the people that we think are our friends and think uh, have shown us goodwill over time, so on and so forth, they are not. At the end of the day, you might think they're a friend, they're an enemy. And let's call a spade a spade, really. Um, we live in a generation where a lot of black men and a lot of black women see each other in their day-to-day lives and consider themselves to be the enemy. And the white woman, the white man, they know to be their friend. I, I have nothing against interracial relationships. But let's not be completely and totally bogus here on some of the decision-making by black men and black women. For black men, the white woman in the prize, she never has been. I'll give the first couple of brothers out after slavery and the the first couple of brothers in the civil rights movement in the past, all the stuff that went on during slavery. After that, wake up and smell the true coffee. And for a lot of the black women that I hear say, well, I date white men because black men, have dated white women in the past, and we get chosen last, hey, two wrongs don't make it right. One of us being stupid, two of us being stupid is not going to make things any better. We need to love ourselves, but more importantly than that, teach our children to love ourselves. 
Because we, we, we're about to walk on another decade of, of, of stupidity. It's not right. going to work. It hasn't worked. Um, I, I agree with you that we need to be a lot more introspective about what we're doing. I've heard you say this many times, and I, I really believe it to be true. We need to put our best foot forward for ourselves. Mm. Before before we move heaven and earth for everybody else, how, what if we took the energy that we took, that we give to almost every other community, what if we gave that to ourselves? Mm. What if we put that kind of drive that we put in other avenues and other venues towards our children, towards our parts, towards our homes, towards where right. we live, towards where we educate, educate our children? It'll be different. <clears throat> I'm, I'm tired of seeing, I'm tired of hearing black women and black men across this country say, "Hey, it's a, it's a, a world thing. It's a, it's a human thing." Meanwhile, every other ethnic group is going for self. Right. Let's be completely and totally realistic about that. And there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with being pro-black. There's nothing wrong with loving yourself. And if you're a black person that's been taught self-hate, find somebody black that loves themselves. Let them show you how. I think once we, uh, the slogan I've seen a lot, well, all of this is Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. I wonder sometimes if the black people wearing the T-shirts understand, do they, do they really know that? Mm. Do they understand before a white person was ever here that we were here? Mm. Our lives do matter. But before we can make anybody else know that, we have to know that. We have to accept that. Mm. Ain't that the um, truth? You know, that, that, that's dope. Yes. You know what, and, and i got 90 seconds, so let me say this. And, and I, and I want to make sure I'm frank. I know even with myself, and when I talk about isolation and things of that nature, I'm even talking about myself because there's things that I could be doing where I could be doing a lot more, you know, and that's the one thing with dealing with the death of my father that I understand that, hey, there's a lot of things as a man that I could could have been doing that could have been helping my family and my friends and my people out. So we all got to be, we all got to be mindful of that because that's how Mm -hmm. we lose. You know, thinking that we're doing just enough, being happy with just having enough. And we, you know, hey, I, I sleep down with my wife and, and I'm like, oh, man, I got it made. But in the end, what what good is doing all that when my children can go out here, my sons, and be gunned down? Doesn't help them. Yeah, yeah Dad, you feel like you got it made, but what about me? Or what are my, my friend's uh, children be gunned down or be raped just because she's a girl and she's, on you know, on a campus and some white boys feel like taking their time on her. And, you know, we never talk about how they never get charged. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a lot of stuff in this world that we have to fight and we got to stand up for, but we got to stop, in my opinion, we got to stop running and saying that, you know, we feel like we made it. We ain't made nothing. And for all these people who keep telling you that we've gotten so far and things changed so much, ask them to show you the data. Tell them to show you the proof. If they can't show you the proof, tell them to shut the hell up because that's just what it boils down to. you just lying. And if you just lying, you need to shut the hell up. And that's what, you know, uh, like the brother was calling last one, we talking about Dr. King. Stop quoting Dr. Stop quoting Dr. King and, and, and go with what he was doing when he was changing his mind. If you respect a man and you love a man, quote the whole thing. Quote the whole thing. 
Be real. Stop doing all these vigils and all these other things on things that he changed his mind about. Because in my opinion, you're not representing the man. You're representing the opinion that white folks will accept that you represent. And when we're doing that, we're dead wrong. That's the same thing with Malcolm. Stop trying to say, well, he went to Mecca and he changed. Man, you know what? Change into what? What, what did he He said he wasn't going to call the white man the devil no more. That didn't mean that he didn't necessarily not trust or he didn't understand what he was up against. That didn't mean that he was about to start laying down with white women. That didn't mean that he was going to start opening up everything he did with white folks. He said, no, nah, if you want to help us, I'll go talk to your people. Go deal with your folks. Go get your people in order. And I say the exact same thing to the white folks uh, that, that are listening to this show and that I come in contact with. You want to change something, you need to change how your people think because your people right now are the ones in power. And with that being said, man, that's Rant Radio for this week. I want to dedicate this show to my father who passed away on Sunday. My father never gave me the sermon where he said, I can't. It was always, I can. And with that being said, today I knew I had to get on and talk about some things. I, I was still pissed off about uh, the Cephalosha situation in, inside of New York. I really didn't talk about that, where uh, the police in New York, after one basketball player got stabbed by a man in the club, they broke the leg of another basketball player. And they got TMZ video of them beating this brother. So when they whooping your ass or they killing you, it don't, it don't matter if you got money or not. It ain't about your education. If they see you black, they're going to do something to you. And this is something that we have to come as a collective with. I don't give a damn how many speeches President Obama give you. At the end of the day, you should be able to look at that and see. Man, it don't matter. They whooped, they, they whooped Tabo Cephalosha. This brother six foot, I think he's six foot six. Look at six the video, seven, the TMZ yeah. video, and how the police broke his leg. And then try to arrest the brother and say he was trying to prevent them from creating a crime scene. Come on, man. What kind of foolishness is that? One of his fellow brothers in the NBA just got stabbed with his girlfriend. And you saying that he's trying to prevent the scene? And then on the video, you clearly see them surrounding his brother and beating him down. So this is what I'm talking about. These are the things that I'm saying, and these are the, this is the where we got to stop being so foolish and gullible because we get a few of us who have no fight in them, and they, they, they always give you that convenient out. Well, see, if we wasn't, if, if black men wasn't acting this way, if they wasn't talking this way, if they wasn't dressing this way, if they didn't say the word nigga, man, white folks was hanging and killing us without the word nigga being put in our vocabulary. They ain't never needed you to say or do anything for justification of them doing something to you. If you don't believe me, just Google lynchings. If you look at the lynchings and then you go into the images and you look at some of those hanging people, they'll tell you why some of those folks was hung. Nobody needs to make that up for you. And these lynch mobs still exist. They're just now all in the media. And this is what you have to understand. This is what we're up against as a people. Black men, you are public enemy number one. Anybody else telling you anything different is a goddamn lie. And with that, I want to thank all my listeners, brother old brother Ty. The other brother, I apologize, I didn't catch your name, but you came on and you dropped some jewels. That first caller, man, oh, I think that's the person that you talked to the other day because he was talking about us acting down to these stereotypes. Uh, of whites and man I, I had to drop that brother off the line you know the rules on rant radio is no cooning i don't need you calling in cooning 
and buffooning to be nice to these white folks. But with that being said, brother, I see you tomorrow. Sister Lanisha, I see you out there. I know you tuned in today. I hope that food was good. Tell Brother Mike I said what's up. All right, y'all. Peace.